One definition of successful people is successful people do what unsuccessful people don't. Insurance has been a great career. It's getting a little more demanding. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. That reinvestment is what multiplies the thing. You growing those two books in that relatively short amount of time, I think you have an understanding that anything extra goes right back in, right? Otherwise, it's gone. You're not out buying boats and you know going to Vegas and, and that kind of thing. You have to reinvest in the agency. Otherwise, it's going to start to... Well, no, no, you're correct. And I hope I didn't come across that you need to pay yourself an exorbitant amount of income. And, no, no, no. and my philosophy about you need to be the highest paid in your office might be that you're building equity in your business. Right. Okay. Right. Well, I had a very simple philosophy in running my agencies. And also when I worked with the farmers district, with the farmers as a district manager, when you have 25 agents working for you, they all have different goals and aspirations. Uh, very simple philosophy. You do your budget. Okay. Right. And then when you're doing your budget, where do you want to be at? Okay. So if you have a $2 million agency versus a $5 million agency, the numbers are different. But you set yourself your income level that you need. You set your budget up front about what you're going to invest in staff. Because staffing is not an expense, it's an investment. And mm-hmm. agents who think staffing is too expensive or they have that employee mentality, they need to understand that your business depends on the assets you build up, not only the renewals, but how well your staffing does. And I would tell agents, and I would still tell agents, at the end of the year, you have a bonus, okay? Whatever this bonus is and however you're going to divide it up with your staff, you need to reward your staff to keep them happy, keep them satisfied. So good staff are hard to get. Uh, and then whatever you've done, if you have a bonus money left over, then half of it should go home and half of it should be reinvested. And you need to make sure that you're investing in your future by making sure you've got a retirement program set up. So uh, I know a lot of agents and the bigger the bonus is, the more money they spend and the less money they have. So you've got to be smart about being that business person to do it. And since we're going to be talking about staffing, i do my little cutism that I have out there uh, and state point, you should hire slowly, far quickly. And then the one that people always kind of raise their eyebrows about at me is that you can always replace someone who's not doing the job very easily. Right. The whole notion of people want to avoid pain. It seems like with staff, and this happened to me back in the earlier years, where you have somebody, they're not great, but they're not terrible. And so you hang on to them way too long until yeah. it becomes so painful that you have to do the thing, which is to recruit and hire and interview and do all that stuff. Whereas now we're always interviewing. We all, cause you never know. You never know when you're going to lose three people all of a sudden because somebody else grabs all three of them or whatever happens. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that being prepared is so critical in this and also foreseeing what is going to happen. Okay. Well, if the commissions are going to go down or whatever, knowing what's going to happen so you can play that out, not just sit here. Well, this sucks. This isn't fair. It's like, well, it is what it is. I need to figure out how to adjust. Right. And I think it's just people in general don't like to change, don't like to adjust. That's a really, really important skill set to have as an agent. You're true. I guess if you're in a smaller town with a little more personal relationships that, that you have to be concerned with, 
You never want to hire your cousins or your daughters <laughs> or be honest with you. I, I've seen agents do that and something happens, you're all gone because it all happens same thing. And so I'm not against hiring spouses and staff and kids, but you need to make sure that you hold them to the same amount of responsibility uh, that you would have with someone else. But what I said about the thing about it is, is that your business, when you're growing your agency, you know, you got the growth spurt of it. Okay. And then you used to be able to have the maintaining part of it, but most captives company are making that maintaining part a little more difficult. And they always want you out being the hunter versus the cultivator. So you always got to find talent. If you have someone who you have worked with and worked with and worked with and trained to train to train, now these captives are wanting to turn all the service people into salespeople. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that can happen and can't happen. You know, it's another one of my old sayings that someone from Kentucky told me if you have a turd as an employee, excuse my language, <laughs> and you polish that turd, and you keep polishing and polishing, what do you end up with? Polished turd. A polished turd. And that's and so that's no better. It might be shinier, <laughs> might be prettier. But that staff you work with you who can't get to change and you can't get to improve and you can't get their skill set and they don't want to grow with you, then right. that's why I say that sometimes you need to replace a person. The person who doesn't do what you want them to do, you can find that guy or girl next off the street tomorrow. So it's tough to get rid of staff. I mean, no one ever wants to avoid to avoid that. But you know, when I owned my retail stores and I had 60, 70 people working for me, it was a lot easier to replace those than when I have three staff members who I know, know the family, know the kids. Those are tougher to make those decisions. But still, you're probably doing that person as big a favor as you are not let them get on to a new career or something that they might be good at, might like, might thrive at versus staying in a position where they're not comfortable. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I mean, I think it's one of those things that if you take the emotion out of it or the dire like need for that person and it's, it's like, dude, you want the best for them. So if they don't like it, it's like, why would you stay here if you don't like it? Like, why don't you get into something that you really like? And it's better for both of us in that way. And why do agents stay in positions and jobs that they don't really like either? I mean, you got the fear of the unknown is really what you know, what it is. Uh, you're comfortable somewhat and afraid to take that next step. So people always ask me, what would I do? And I said, well, you know what? I sold my farmer's district office at age 55. I sold my, my captive agent at 62. So I'm not the person to ask that. <laughs> right. <I would> be. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> some of us are wired differently. Yeah, Like to your point, like the fear of the unknown is what most people have, but like, I'm sure you're the same way. It's like the fear of the known to me, like I can't do the same thing for 50 years. Like that's how to, but for me, that's like, I just the opposite. Yeah. I'm attracted to the unknown because there's unlimited potential and possibility. Yes. This next step is. And you are right, Jason. You're wired differently. And my wife, I would always cringe both times I, I did those. <laughs> doing what? I said, well, I already did it. What do you mean, doing what? <laughs> it's just done. Uh, yeah. So we'll figure it out. But didn't do it on the spot. My probably, wife cringes I when I do anything. Prepared, I probably had prepared myself and already had the next thing in line before I 
was right. silly enough to, to do something stupid without having a plan. So, <laughs> and when your values where you're working at and the values of the company you're working with changes, then do you have a dilemma yourself there other than just, you know, do I like the direction? Do I like what's going on? But uh, Right. Which isn't a bad thing. I mean, heck, if you built your organization like a good business should be run, I'm sure it's scary to make those moves and the decisions, but I mean, you can pivot and run your good organization with uh, selling any product. Right. I think that that's kind of like the equity that you'd like. That's almost what keeps my head straight, right? Is like, okay, I just, I'm going to do what I do for my personal organization. And if I ever feel like the product that I'm selling or the company is going in a totally different direction that I absolutely don't want anything to do with, I'd be cool. I'd be cool, man. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it with a different product. <laughs> right. Find the opportunity. And there's always the opportunity. There's always somebody winning. Identify who that is and do what they're doing. And that's it's always an easier said very than easy. Yeah. Huh? Most insurance agents want to share and, and willingly share with each other. Uh, most of them have and this isn't being negative, type A personalities, big egos. Uh, they want to win the trips. They want to be recognized. And, and the companies are always, whichever company is, are always aware of that. And they know how to play agents in the whole time. But, but doing well, being recognized, everyone likes to be recognized. Everyone yeah. wants to do well. And everyone's willing to share. I mean, that's why you have all these blogs out here. And most people are sharing uh, and want to give back. But um, insurance has been a great career. It's getting a little more demanding. And and I don't know if that's from the companies having a insatiable desire to make more and more profits uh, than ever. And it doesn't need to come at the expense of the agency force. You know, okay. It can be equally shared at times, but you know, that's another story. I think there's also some challenges in the competitive landscape, right? When you have the new players that have come along in the last decade with much less expensive products and a consumer base that considers insurance to be a commodity and really doesn't see a big portion of the consumer base doesn't see value to the agent. I think until they need them, right? It's just sort of like insurance. Like it's insurance. Oh, until you need it, then it's all these things are important. Maybe that's human nature, but that's, I think, created some pressure too. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, part of the problem with the captive companies, they built their own little empires out there. And at one time, these companies would have uh, different regions around. And some of the regions would, if you broke them up, would be some of the top 50 insurance companies. So they would have 14 different insurance companies out there with their CEO and their assistant CEO and their staff and their marketing. And they built up this sales force and marketing department. Uh, and it became like the federal government. You know, they had a budget and they had to spend all their money or the budget be cut. And heaven forbid they get their budget cut. So they got real fat in the middle. Uh -huh. And as they got fatter, these other companies would come out and offer a product that was Loss ratios are loss ratios. I mean, it isn't cheaper for one company to repair a car or to fix a house or to pay a liability claim than another. But if you have a lower cost basis, then you can be less expensive. And the big captives, we got pressure from having bloated expenses. 
uh-huh. uh, and caused them to lose a great deal of market share. And there's five or six captive companies who all lost considerable market share because they got outsmarted. Uh, and then the insuring public bought into the thing about why pay more right? Uh, when you can get the coverage for less. Uh, the only problem with do-it-yourself insurance is when do you want your insurance cheap, when you bought it or when the claim occurred? <laughs> right, right. And, and unfortunately, sometimes if you bought it cheap, then you also had a cheap claim. If you bought the wrong policy, you might have a $100,000 deductible, not a $500 deductible. Yeah. But they got outsmarted, outwitted. The younger generation, I'm baby boomer, as you can tell, but the younger generation uh, do a lot of do-it-yourself. I mean, they do go on the Internet and check out. Uh, like my 39-year-old daughter, who's strictly a millennial, she'll check everything out. But before she buys, she calls dad. She says, oh, what do you think? Uh, I've checked this, this, and this. But but uh, if you buy a cheap policy and you don't have the right coverages, you might be in a world of hurt when you get there. And then the insurance company will fall behind what well, this is what you purchased. We thought you knew what you were doing. If you're a captive agent, you get sued for E&O. <laughs> okay? You bought online. Well, you should have known better. You know, so there is a great deal of pressure from the companies. And then the, the captive companies are allowed to have as risky investments. So if the market goes up a lot, they don't necessarily benefit as much. It goes, they can't have that much exposure to their reserves. Huh. Yeah, they got outsmarted, to be honest. Yeah. To be honest. Well, and if you look back in the last 10 years, the marketing spend for the ones for Geico and Progressive – is astronomically higher than the captives. I think you could put all the captives together and and just Geico spent maybe double. It's a lot. You know, it's in the billions versus hundreds of millions. So it's just interesting. They created and developed that message of it's a commodity, right? You have flow over in the aisle with it's like a diaper aisle, but it's insurance. And and so they just created this monster that got out of control. They, they did. And like I said, we we sort of got outsmarted from the captive world. There's still a number of people who want to deal with an agency force yeah. uh, and then have the advice. Most people will pay a little extra for the guidance and advice, uh, especially if they have a claim that wasn't covered the first time because they did it, they did their own insurance. Right. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, people don't want to pay more than they have to. And they have been hit for 15 years about why well, need an agent. They're too expensive. You can buy it yourself without them. But here again, there's horror stories out there. And I think the captive companies should have been advertising what happens if you buy their own policy versus we can right. be cheap too. Right. Cheap isn't better, like a whole marketing right. campaign about that right. type of thing. Where do you see the agent in 10 years, 15, 20 years? Well, I, I see the captive company. Or do you? And this is my crystal ball, okay? I would say it, it's a wag. And I'll let you W and, and then ASS guess. So a wild AS guess is what a wag is. So we'll call it a wag. <laughs> so 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 my wag is that um, there's always going to be captive agents. Okay, are they going to be in the numbers they are now? No. Okay, there's always going to be agents in the independent world in areas that companies aren't wanting to go to as much as other companies. We have one guy say they're underserved markets, so I don't know if they're underserved or not. And there's always going to be the online people and the direct people. I 
one CEO says that half the people want an agent and half the people don't. That might be a true statement out there that half the people want to do it yourself and can manage it and study and take care of it. Uh, The other half of people want someone to go to, what if this happens and help me out if this happens? So I I would say that most of the captive companies that I know of are going to have a declining captive agency force. Uh, The big dog, the big guy on the street uh, out there is sort of bucking it and still thinking they're going to need as many agents in the future as they do in the past. But that's that yes to be seen. So I would say there'll be shrinking captive companies will be a third or two thirds or half as small as what they were. In their agency force or their market cap? Uh, in their agency force. Okay. In their agency force. I tell people that if you're the mom and pop agent where you have one or two staff people working on a one on one twenty three Easy Street uh, <laughs> in uh, main in hometown USA and have a $2 million, $3 million agency or smaller and think that you're going to survive technology and the shifting winds and sands of the insurance business, you're going to be disappointed. If you're willing to invest and and get a larger agency where you have eight to 10 salespeople working for you and and want to chase the, uh, have the hunter mentality, where you're always going to be hunting for new business, hunting for new business, and, and hope that the company reputation and claims and price will get people to retain with you and do a little bit of a service work to help with that retention, take a lesser commission per policy, you could be fine. Uh, but it's you can't sit on the fence. You are going to have to go all in and do the investment, do the staffing, do the marketing, Understand that you're not going to be able to work hard for five years and then live the next 10 years on renewals. You'll be fine. You just hope that you're with the right company and and in the right marketing place. I told one almost CEO, but it was a a pricing product manager one time that the world was not full of pink houses on cul-de-sacs. Okay, so that's from Indiana. And I actually saw John uh, Mellencamp play at a high school prom in 1968. Okay. Ooh. Came, awesome. Indiana as well. Uh, and he had that song, Little Pink Houses, right? So all the insurance companies want little pink houses on cul-de-sacs because there's no pools, there's no dogs, there's no animals. There's no <laughs> right. You know, there, there's no, no risk. They're not next to oceans and they're not next to mountains and they're not in far areas. You know, everyone wants that piece of property, uh, but uh, not everyone's going to get that. So, Agents are going to have to change. You know, in 19, I, I saw something posted on, on the page, our, our Facebook page, showed the app of a application that was in uh, 1990, showed it. They found it. Somehow they found it. It has the carbon papers, you know, six pages of carbon paper. Wow. And then turned the paper over, and then you had to make sure you were smart enough to turn the carbon with it so that you could actually read when you turned on the other way. And I'm Landlord policy is one hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, and today that same landlord policy is thirty seven hundred dollars. You know, depending on where you're going to be at. But I think there is a future for insurance agents. Going to be changed. Unfortunately, this is going to be one of those ones where that if you're not willing to be bigger, uh, it's you're probably not going to be around. So it's a tough gig if you're. 60 plus and have a $2 million agency versus being 45 willing to work 70 hours a week to build up your agency to 10 or $20 million and 
uh, and go forward from there. So it's going to be a different mindset, different type of uh, agency force. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome in the sense of that super clear. And I think that I agree a hundred percent, which segues into the best follow-up to that is uh, our last question, which is what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give any agent that uh, wanted to really kick it into high gear or a new agent coming into the industry? On the persistency and focus, determination, how's that for three words? One definition of successful people is successful people do what unsuccessful people don't. Okay, So a successful insurance agent is going to do the marketing, going to do the hiring of the staff, going to train the staff, going to have the three, five-year business plan. They're going to be knowing what they're going to be doing for the next month not walking in on Monday morning with nothing to do, hoping the phone rings and someone wants to buy a car policy. Those days are over with, and you need to be more of a business person, as we talked about up front. Business person first, salesman second, okay? And knowing that you have to be focused and determined. And then you need to be in the right area. If you're in farm ground, you need to be focused on farming. If you're in a city, you need to be focused on what's in the city uh, going forward. So determination, Focus, persistency, a plan. The new agent coming in, well, they should have a mentorship for all new agents. The success rates of someone coming in scratch uh, and borrowing money from mom and dad's 401k to start an agency, not necessarily a good investment for mom and dad. Yeah, I would think they should have a member, a seven-year servitude like they did them back in New England back in the 1600s. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ted, this has been awesome. Such uh, good insight and information. If people want to check out Napa, could you spell out that website for us? So, of course, it's Napa, the N-A-P-A-A-U-S-A dot O-R-G. Cool. W-W-W-N-A-P-A-A-U-S-A dot O-R-G. And there's resources, and unfortunately, we're up against the wall here, but lots of resources there. Great group for agents to go to and really connect with other agents. So we really, really appreciate and are grateful for you coming on. Thank you so much. Yes, we'll talk to you, you down the road, hopefully, and uh, and continue the conversation. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for Ted. On. Yep. Awesome, Ted. Thanks so much. Hey, Jason. Yes, Mr. Craig. That was another awesome episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to get a little bit more action and, and learn how to do uh, write 100000 in premium yes. off of even the worst internet leads, where could they go? They can go to live.teledudes.com. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Are we going to be there? Yes. It's a weekly call that we're doing right now. That will It's live, and it will show you the process. The entire process is mm, super awesome. Mm, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sign up right now. Live.teledudes.com. Live.teledudes.com. That's live.teledudes.com. Hey, Craig, there's a new community that we are starting that I cannot wait to tell everybody about. It is our live texting community where you and I are going to answer people's questions and give them free content right are you kidding me we get yep. to talk to them yeah which is awesome but they have to opt in they have to text us at 520-214-2219 that's 
Nice. I'm Greg, are you going to respond to these texts? I'm going to respond to them for sure. Live. I'm into it too. It's going to be well, awesome. And it's a, it's going to be our new texting community where we're going to get back to everybody that we can and drop some crazy content, free content and free um, the calculator that you just came up with. Mm. That's right. The calling calculator, sales material. I mean, everything for insurance agents, this is it. It's the best texting community out there for insurance agents. Well, what the heck is that number again? I can't remember it. It's 520-214-2219. That's 520-214-2219. I love it. I'm going to text it right now. 520-214-2219. All right. I'll see you later, Mr. Jason. Bye, Mr. Craig. Wait, do they even listen to this on the radio anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Nice. Uh, All right.